Empire. Hello and welcome to the live stream edition of my podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. And as you know, as I always tell you, do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcast. you're watching on YouTube, and of course you are joining me there right now, do me a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching or tuning in later, do the same for me. Do your boy a favor. Always much appreciated. Today, it's just me and you folks. I'm gonna get through as many questions uh, as, as I can and hopefully provide a lot of good answers and good insight for you. Um, got back from the owners meetings, was Wednesday morning and it was, Always a great time in Arizona. You learn a lot and you hear a lot. And you also get very as being an East Coast guy, staying up late, getting up on East Coast time, it wears you down. I did have a good red eye flight back. And if you followed me on Twitter, you know that there were some changes to my flight schedule. It went from start off at 11:50, eventually got down to 1:12 a.m. I was taking the red eye. So it got down to 1:12 a.m. delayed. Then it got pushed back to 11:50. Then it went back down to 2.30. Then it got pushed up to midnight. So because of that, so I'm on the flight and I'm sitting on the the window seat because I like to prop my head up on the red eye. It's the only way I have a chance of getting to sleep on a flight. Had my little um, neck pillow because I found one in the airport that was deserted. And I'm like, I need it. So a lady, a young lady and a young man sit in the same row with me. She is carrying a two-month-old baby. I think I'm effed. I think I'm not going to get any sleep. Unbelievable. But because of all the changes, the row behind me was completely empty. So before the doors closed, that's it. Nobody else is boarding. Told the woman next to me, like, hey, row behind me, behind us is empty if you want more room. Well, what it meant is your boy got more room too because they moved, got the whole row to myself, got a few hours sleep on the red. I never get that. So I'm freshed and ready to go. Anyway, before I get to your questions, just a couple other things. Not that you needed, you really care about my red eye, but now you know. So um, earlier this week, I wrote a timeline of Dan Snyder's ownership of his 24 years, the, the timeline throughout there and how we got from here and how, that why you can see go by year by year by year and how it went from a franchise that was one of the most meaningful in the NFL to one that is now what it is. So you want to go give that, go give that a read. It's on ESPN.com. Folks, it was over 7,000 words when I turn, turn it in. There's a lot going on. I always tell people, if you want to know why I feel stressed and have a higher anxiety level over the last couple of years, just look at what the timeline was from 2020 till now. And you can even go back to 2018 because from the time the Alex Smith injury till the last till now, it's just been one, it was a wild ride early it's been a crazy, crazy ride lately. Anyways, that's up on ESPN.com. Go give that a read. Put a lot of work into that. That was that was a good month and a half or so putting that stuff together. It's in my head, but it's not all in there because there's some things you just kind of forget and some things, you know, some periods of your life you kind of want to push aside a little bit. But, but you know, sometimes you forget things. So, sorry, I, I, my mic got muted there for a second for some reason anyway give that a read um there you go now the other thing is uh, i'm going to start with lamar jackson because a couple of people did ask me about it and i just kind of want to address this up front push it away because it's not it has never been any sort of realistic 
to sign or get acquire Lamar Jackson. And here is why. So let's say they wanted to sign him. You're not going to sign him. if The only way you're going to sign him is if you can give him a guaranteed money and you'd have to go 200 some million. You'd have to give him a Deshaun Watson contract. They don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. So I know like the, the cute theory is Dan Snyder could stick it to the other owners if he just went out and did this. Well, guess who he's sticking it to? The next owner as well. Because unless that person says, yes, I want to put in into escrow a couple hundred million dollars and, and pay for it next year, then why would, they, why would that guy want this deal? These guys are smart. They're financially smart. I don't think a new owner is going to want to come on, come on board spending $6 billion for a team, a couple billion for a stadium, and then having have to put $200 million into escrow and to pay for Lamar Jackson. So unless he says, yeah, Dan, go do it. Um, short of that, so you're sticking to the other 31 owners, but also the new owner who may not want to have that debt because then you have to – then that requires – if you're a smart owner, you're going to have to then go to your football people and say, hey, if I wanted to do this, what does it, what does it mean? I was talking to someone today about some of the mistakes Dan Snyder made early on. And it was, and there, he said, because he acted, no offense to you guys, he acted like a fan. If you remember way back when, those of you who were older, um, you remember when he came on board, it's 1999, Barry Sanders retires. You get a leaked story to the Washington Post saying, Redskins are interested in Barry Sanders. They want to sign him. He was telling people to go sign him. He wanted to go get him. Didn't matter whatever they told him about the salary cap or the fact that he would he was retired or whatever. He just said, go get him. Go get him. I want him. You know, that was always the mentality. And that's what got him into trouble early. You can't think like a fan, first and foremost. But the bigger problem is, so you're not going to give him that $230 million guaranteed. And if not, you're not going to sign him because it's not, it was never doable. But let's say, let's say you said, we'll give him, offer him three, you know, fully guaranteed, 150 million, three years, 150 million. Okay, fine. Because I would, I would not give him a five-year deal fully guaranteed. I just, with the injuries this the last couple of years, I just wouldn't do it. Not for a guy who runs as much as he does. And I think he's a terrific quarterback, but I think that's, that's just asking. That's just, I just, I wouldn't give, I don't know that. I think there's one quarterback I would give that to and it's Patrick Mahomes because he's not only is he, you know, he's, yes, he also runs a little bit, but he's also a guy who no matter who's around him, that team is always going to be really, really good. And I don't, and he's won Super Bowls. That's it. There's a list. Now, let's say you wanted to go three years, 150 million. Well, Baltimore probably matches that first of all, but let's say, okay, hey, go do that. Well, you better have $50 million in cap space for that first year. They did not. Here's, they had, I think it was around $24 million when they went into free agency. It's around there. To get to $50 million, first of all, Deron Payne is gone. You're going to try, probably have to trade John Allen, um, do something. But guess how much that gets you? $3.4 million. Then, you know, Kendall Miller, Kendall Fuller, you could cut him 8.5 million savings. You can't touch Terry McLaurin's deal. You cannot redo his deal because it hasn't even been a year. So he, so his, his contract is, is not touchable. Logan Thomas, sure. You want to cut him 5.1 million. Chase Ruye, either he's, I don't know if he's going to retire. I don't know if he's going to play. You know, he may not be here, even if he is, if he's a pay cut, but let's say he retires or you cut him 4.3. Curtis Samuel, 5.8. That gets you not only to about the 50, but then over that, so you can then sign your rookies. But guess what you can't do? You can't replace any of those guys. 
you don't have the money. You don't have the cap space. So you've already made the moves you can to free up the cap space to get the one guy. So my point, and so that's why it was never, never, never a realistic option. So I appreciate people asking about it. I appreciate people, you know, talking about it. You just have to understand it's never been about how could they choose Sam Howell over him. It's never been about that. It's been about the finances. I also think, and we'll get into this in a little bit. Um, actually, well, let's get into this now because somebody did ask me. So let's see. It was, I apologize that my mic got cut again, but um, Trenner's takes on Twitter says Lamar will cost less than they think and is by far the best option at QB available. No, he wouldn't cost less than they think. We know the deal here. It's going to be 45 to 50 million a year. That's not less than they think. They know what it costs. I mean, this is just such a, it's become a silly argument on a national perspective because it's not realistic. So let's move on. Anyway, there you go. So Mike on Twitter wants to know a couple of things. Who is the new O-line coach? Have they announced it? Then I missed it. No, they haven't announced it. It's, it'll likely be Travell Wharton, who has already been an assistant here. So you haven't missed anything. It's just nothing is official at this point. That's my, that's my strong guess. He said, what is the plan? Who gives a team the best chance to win? If so, Sam's unlikely to win that given the large difference in experience. Or is it really Sam's job if he shows potential? That's a good question. So, yeah, it is clearly Jacoby Percet is further along in terms of experience and all that. What it is, it's who's got the where is what is how's growth, right? What what can you see? Not just where he's at in May when you get to the OTAs or in minicamp or at the start of training camp. It's where can he get to in this offense and in this system based on the skills they know he has. So it'll be based on that and based on, you know, not just on the experience level, but based on where can he get to. And they are pretty excited. I mean, they, I think what they like a lot about Howell is where he went from the start of, from the spring workouts to the training camp. Early in training camp, you could tell that he's not ready. You just saw it. By the end of training camp, it was like, hmm, he's starting, he's, he's improving. And they saw it steadily throughout the year as well to where um, when he was finally got the chance, we saw what he could do, but he needed so much work on the footwork and things like that to get his timing down that it took a while. But so I think that growth that they saw last year will help for, help them form their opinions for what they want to see, uh, what, how they view this competition. I do think that the one beauty, the beauty part of having Brissett is it gives you a veteran who can legitimately push Sam Howell, because if he's not ready, you do have a guy that you know what the floor is with Brissett. There's a solid floor, and he's a guy that, you know, his, his experience will help. So that's where it's going to really benefit Washington and Howell having a guy like that around. But it will be based on not just where they're at right now. Like if it's like this right now, let's say Brissett's a little bit higher than, than Howell just based on the experience, but where, you know, but is where, where can they get to? If it goes, starts to go like this, well, then you're going to go with Howell because you, you want to see the growth. It's not going to be who's best right now. It's going to be who's going to be best by the end of September, into October, into November, et cetera. And I think so Howell, that's why Howell goes in there with the job. But again, the competition between Brissett and Howell will be closer than it would have been with Heineke and Howell because they know what Heineke is going to do. They know the ceiling in there. Um, they, they feel like Howell is a better, more um, stronger version of Heineke. So they, it was never going to be a real competition if he had come back, but with Brissett, it's going to be a stronger competition for Howell. So there you go. Thank you for that question. So let's get to some of you guys here on the live stream chat. 
All right, so David wants to know, a few years ago, it seemed like our tight end group became so one-dimensional that there was talk that it was tipping off the type of plays we were running, yet nowadays it seems that tight ends who are who are exceptional one-dimension are far more value than tight ends who are well-rounded. Why is this so? Hmm. Um, I don't know. David, I'm not sure I have a great answer for you. I think the tipping points are more so personnel um, in terms of like, how are you using a guy when so-and-so comes to the game and you're going into two tight end sets? Are you primarily running or is this guy, when this guy comes to the game, is it passing? So I think, I don't know that they're far. I, the hard part to find tight ends who are well-rounded. Now, here's the here's my answer for that, David. I think it's hard to find tight ends who are well-rounded because you don't find a lot of tight ends who are really good two-way tight ends like like that's why they like logan thomas he's a two-way tight end he can block in line and he can go catch passes a lot of guys in the in college they're not as adept at blocking because they're getting paid or like i've been paid in college well not all of them but you're you're making your name based on catching the ball so you're not going to see that's why john bates was was not going to be a first couple round picks because he's a blocker he does it well but you don't find a lot of guys who can do both so and that's why, like, there's a lot of people who keep bringing up Dalton Kincaid. Kincaid's not an inline blocker. To me, he doesn't make sense for them because he's a guy who's he's been a pass catcher, and that's what he projects to in the NFL, which is fine. But they have guys they already like for that role. I would not take him in the first round simply because they already have some guys there who can do something similar. And you know, maybe he'd be better, but you don't you can use your you can allocate your resources to making your team better by stocking another position um, unless he somehow blew him away as far as like, Oh, he's by far the best guy on the board. I don't, I don't see that, but that's why I think, so I think it's, it's hard to find those guys, David. I think that would be a lot of what that, that comes down to. Let's go to Rio Robinson. Once a winning bid is selected and the new owners are approved, what's the timetable of them getting in the building and starting the day to day? I don't real. I don't say, I don't know. Um, I know it would go pretty quick. I'm sure like, my sense would be that as of right now, let's say they get approved in late May. I think you're, you're going to go in there probably very soon, soon thereafter and start the day-to-day process, but there's going to be so much they have to do that. My guess would be you're, you're going to keep everything in place. Um, for the most part, they have spots, some senior executive spots to fill, which is why one of the things like um, their CFO left, some point in the season, they haven't replaced him. So that's going to be something a new owner is going to do right away. I know that's not about him getting in the building, but they're going to start doing things right away. Um, and, you know, but as far as when in the building, it's hard to really say. So, you know, we'll see at that time. The Farbot, I keep seeing Washington being favored to take Bijan at 16. Seems ridiculous to me. I don't know who's favoring that because I don't, I don't see that happening. So I wouldn't worry about that. You know, I don't, I don't see, I don't think that's, that would not be, um, the best use of that of that draft, and I like Bijan Robinson, but you ha- you just got a guy last year in Brian Robinson that you like a lot, and you feel like you can build around him. He got better, I think, had he not been shot and and cost him essentially half a year because you take you miss those first you miss four games, and then you take several games to get back, and then he was very strong in the second part of the year. You beef up that line; it's going to make him better. What I liked about Brian Robinson is that you could see the improvement. You could see him hitting the outside even a little bit quicker because I think he was more decisive. So I don't know why you would go that route. That just doesn't make sense. There are so many other areas that they can address, or a few other areas that you can address 
um, to, to that. So, all right, Pedro Smith, most likely targeted position at 16. So let's stay with the draft right here. Oh, offensive line. I think the offensive line is the most likely targeted position. Doesn't mean that's where they're going to go because the right guys still have to be there. There have been years where someone's like, well, this guy was there and this guy was there. And it's like, well, they don't like him. Not everybody likes everybody. Just because somebody has on their big board, what it could be, whether it's Tom McShay or Mel Kuyper, God bless him. I love those guys. Um, by the way, Mel is one of the best guys. I love, I love dealing with Mel. You would think for as popular and as busy as he is, he wouldn't be as giving as he is, and he really is. So anyways, just a little aside there. But all those guys, just because they have, here are my top five tackles, right? And if you go boom, 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 well, I have this guy with the first round grade projected. Hey, Washington should take him. Well, they may not like him. So just because you see that doesn't mean they like him the same. That's what, but I will say, like, to me, offensive line is where you're going to go. All things being equal. And then I think after that, I would look at, you know, corner, and somebody even asked me, and I'm going to find out who it was on, on Twitter asking me about this. Um, let's see if I can find it, folks. And it was basically about which surprise, would there be a surprise position that that would be addressed at, actually, um, yeah, it was a surprise position there. I think if you want a surprise position, I would look at an edge guy, whether it's or a pass rush of some sort, whether it's a defensive end or something like that. I don't know that something someone's going to be there for them at that point. And I'm not looking at like guys like Nolan Smith. You know, to me, he's, I don't know that you're, you would take him there. It's not necessarily their defensive end size. That That's the size of the guys they like as situational guys, but not as a starting defensive end. But, you know, I would look at a defensive lineman at some point, not uh, a defensive end, just because those contracts with Montez Sweat and Chase Young, I just don't, I don't know that it makes sense to pay all four year defensive linemen that kind of money. I would want to get someone else in there and just have that available. And if, and you know, listen, if if not, they would be part of the rotation. So just like when they got Fedarian Mathis in the second round last year, guy was going to be part of their rotation. So you need a deep rotation along the defensive front. But and you don't have to do it. I'm just saying, like if you know, if somebody was there that they really like, who's an edge guy. And he's tops on their board. I could see them doing it. Okay. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying that because I do think that it's something, you know, then you don't have to pay all those guys and you have to start looking at defensive ends, almost as many quarterbacks in terms of the effect on the cap. And, you know, are you going to want to pay Montez Sweat and Chase Young, both over $20 million a year while you're doing the same for your tackles? I just think that's a lot to, to ask. And, and, and they, you know, they seem to think you can, I'm not sure I fully buy into that. So I think, um, you know, anyways, so there you go. But that's why I say that, but so, but Pedro, going back to your question, it, to me, it's, it's um, offensive line. It starts there. I think corner would be interesting there as well. I do think you can get a corner after the first round. So I think there's good value at that position after the first round. So that's why I think I would wait there. Now there are some corners I really like but I could see them waiting just because there is really good depth in that area. Did you know the largest ropes course in Zipline Park in the country is right here in the DMV? Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and ziplining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. 
Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect for, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC. So there you have it, folks. Climbing, zip lining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code KIME23DC. Devin Rhodes, will the national media ESPN, dude, I am ESPN, so pipe down. Will, they, will the national media stop being ridiculously critical of all things commanders once new it's over, or do you think that continues regardless? Listen, ridiculously critical. Here's, here's what I'd say. You earn what you get in this league. And this team, what has this team earned otherwise? And I do think there are times where there are some stories where I'm like, and I even talk to people here, like if this was another team, that story wouldn't be harped on. But because it is here, I agree. Like there are times where that happens. However, look at the record. Look at what's happened here. So you earn what you get in this league. If you don't want to hear criticism, then I think you're, I think, you know, when you get the new owner, I think, I think, do think a lot of that will settle down because I do think a lot of that has to do with Dan Snyder and just there's a lot of disdain for him, or at least even not even disdain. I mean, he hasn't been, it hasn't been a good situation. That's why it's been like this. I understand for fans, it's very hard and I don't blame you. You don't want to hear that. I think that's why I'm happy for you guys after this new ownership goes through because hopefully a lot of that will end for you because it's just, you know, it's nonstop and I get it. It wears you down and it, it makes it hard to be a fan. It's one thing if you're losing, it's another thing if you're just getting pounded all the time. So will, will they, um, and again, I don't know if it's ridiculously critical. They definitely are critical because again, go look at that timeline I wrote earlier this week. And that's why they are because this stuff keeps happening and it happens here. Again, I will agree though. There are times where I, and I look at it, it's like, it's just, that seems to be a silly criticism and maybe low hanging fruit. So if that makes sense to you, there you go. Um, Rashard Collins wants to know, could we draft a top tackle and move Wiley to left guard? No, <laughs> no. If you drop draft a top tackle and the guy you'd have to watch is Charles Leno. They like Wiley at right tackle. I think the other spot he would have played would be right guard. You got Sam Cosme there. They don't need to move Wiley to left guard. I think if, if it's me, I'm either, I, if you draft somebody the first round, I could see a guard at some point in the first couple of rounds of guard. I think tackle in the first round would be really good, but I think it would be more for a left tackle. Now, the other option would be there, Richard, and they haven't said this. Like they, I was told that he's going to right tackle, meaning Wiley. But and this scenario has never been, this is my scenario since you asked the question, if you went like that, and if you say, you know what, this guy's not quite ready to be a left tackle, well, you could put Wiley to right guard and then maybe move Cosme to left guard. I don't know that you want to do all that, but I think you'd be more likely to draft somebody for that spot. And the one thing that that Rivera did talk about at the breakfast the other day was left guard, and he brought up Sadiq Charles and then Chris Paul. 
They really like Sadiq Charles, except that he can't stay healthy. So if that, you know, I don't know how you, he's the only way you can change that is by staying healthy, but they do like, they feel like he's very explosive and you see it like when he plays and he starts playing consistently, he looks good. Then he gets hurt. And I think Chris Paul, I still think he's a bit on the raw side. So I'm not sure he's going to be quite ready to take over starting left guard spot. That's why I would look for someone. I'm looking for the best lineman if they're there. Um, and I, I, I'm, all, I'm a big best player available guy. But if you can get a really good lineman there with that first pick, or, you know, and somebody asked me earlier, would I take three linemen in the first three picks? No, I wouldn't. But if you took two, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't bother me at all. But I do think you have other positions that you also want to address. Um, and that would be one of them. <clears throat> All right. Maine wants to know why seriously, John, did they hesitate on starting Hall in the meaningless last game to then singing his potential? Did that one game swing their opinion of him that much? And that's a good question, Maine. And I'm glad you asked that. So here's what happened before that going into that game, they wanted to play Hall. what they wanted. Again, you can criticize the thinking behind it, but the initial thinking was, reduce some of the pressure on him. I think that honestly, I think they overthought it. I think they were, they definitely overthought. They should have just said, we're going to start how I think they wanted to limit some of the um, pressure or hype around him. I don't, I think they overthought it. So, but that's why they, they were going to start Heineke and not how, but they were going to always put him in the game because they did like what the, I know Rivera, because he said, has said this, he liked what he was seeing leading up to that. So it wasn't about them not thinking he was ready and then suddenly thinking he's ready. But, you know, so I think, I think, but they wanted to give Heineke another start with that. Again, I think they overthought it. As far as did that one game swing their opinion that much? Well, it was kind of what I was saying earlier with, with how I think they liked what they saw. Keep in mind, it's just, it's the same thing I would tell people when a guy gets quarterback gets benched, for example, and the fans will say like, Oh, but he, look at, he only got 15 passes in this game. How can you tell? Because they're in the room with him. They're on the practice field with him. They know what he knows and doesn't know. They are in the meeting. They're watching him diagram plays or whatever. And if he can't get things in there, then what you saw is a result of all that work behind the scenes that they see. We don't see it. They see it. So I'd say the reverse is true in Howell's case. The stuff that I would hear, I think what really started to get for Rivera, because Rivera started wanting to see him several weeks, a month or so, maybe it was even to like early November. He wanted to start seeing Howell in mop-up duty because I think he was starting to see some things in practice that kind of opened his eyes a little bit. But it wasn't enough. I think, you know, to be honest, I think if he had gotten in some of the games earlier, in backup duty, you're not going to start him. They were in the playoff race. They're winning with Heineke. Weren't going to play him. But if he had gotten some snaps in those cases, it may have changed some things in that in that last couple of weeks. But um, so I don't think it was just that one game. But that one game did reveal some things that held true based off what they saw in practice. For example, some of the decision making or understanding why a play, what maybe a decision he should have made without the coaches telling him. That was a big key too. So in practice, there were a couple of times where he'd come off, you know, he'd know in practice after plays like, oh, I should have done this before the coaches would tell him. That's a sign of growth. He did the same thing in the game. So in a faster setting, he was seeing things at the right pace and it helped It helped um, them believe that, hey, this kid is ready. The other thing is, and this is what you don't know until you get in the game. It's that quick decision-making. I think what they also saw, because you hear this, I've heard this time and again, 
some of those throws to Jahan Dotson that allowed him to get the yards after the catch. That was a big deal too. So I think it was a lot leading up to it. And then that game did help say that, you know what, this kid is on pace to where we thought he would be. And I always go back to the fact that they liked him before the draft. And, you know, and I, I'm going to go back to um, some of the quarterback talking going to last year. And like, this kind of feeds into roster building and all that. So last year, the quarterback choices they came down to, they tried to get Russell, pretty sure they went after Kyler Murray as well. Obviously they didn't get Russell. Kyler wasn't available. They didn't want the deal. So then it came down and then they went after Wentz and got him. They looked, checked on a lot of other guys. Another option for them was, and this is one thing that, I mean, I would say there are definitely people who felt like this is the way they're going to go, which is sign Mitch Trubisky and then pursue a quarterback in the draft. And then you have Taylor Heineke. That quarterback would have been Sam Howell. So I think, you know, so my point is they do like him. And I was told they would have, dra- they would have targeted him had they not traded for Wentz. Had they done that, you know, they would certainly be further ahead with some of their roster building right now because you would have been able to either keep some guys or sign some other guys on that offensive line. You wouldn't have had to gone to the bargain basement for Turner and Andrew Norwell. And, you know, there you go. But anyway, so it didn't, it wasn't just the last game. It was everything they saw up to it. And it probably, I'll be honest, Maine, I think the last game confirmed what they had been seeing. So that's probably a better way to um, doing that. <clears throat> All right. Mike Stewart said, you mentioned in a recent podcast, as far as the new stadium is for possibilities, maybe two locations in Maryland. Do you know which two? Well, one would be in Landover, uh, where near right by where they're at. And I think one would be over near the MGM site and somewhere in that vicinity. So though, that would be what um, what I saw. Well, that's what I would say, Mike. All right. Carbon Sim, no one saw Dotson on our list last year. Are they being more obvious this year? Or are we missing someone? Well, guess who did? I, I'll tell you what. Carbon, not to toot my horn or pat my pat myself on the back. I don't like doing that. Not this time. But I did know that he was one of the four guys they liked. What I didn't know is where on the list was he? So when they traded down, I my first thought was they're going to get Dotson because I knew they liked him. And I, I didn't think they would take him at 11. And they clearly, they didn't because they didn't take him there. But there were, there were some other receivers. I know they liked those Ohio State guys. I know they, if Drake London had been at 11, they're not trading. They're taking Drake London but I knew that they liked Dotson, um, but I didn't, you know, and I knew they weren't, again, once they traded, I thought they're, they're going to get Jahan Dotson. So that's just to say that, you know, that I wasn't shocked by that. So are they being more obvious this year? Or are we missing someone? Um, I don't know. Like we haven't heard who, like I haven't talked a lot about the draft with a lot of people over there because there's been so many other things to discuss that, you know, I know positions that they're looking at. I think it's obvious the offensive line is the primary one. When you look at their visits, when you look at who they met at the combine, et cetera, that's where they're going heavy, heavy, heavy. But as far as names go, I wouldn't look too much at like what those mock drafts do. That's not always indicative. It's usually just guys kind of guessing, filling in holes, you know, almost more so saying, we know Washington needs an offensive lineman. Here's a guy that we like to put for them. So it doesn't mean that's who necessarily they're looking at, but so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that there is someone you're in particular you're talking about, but you know, I think we'll learn more over the next few weeks. All right. Dwayne Pena says, sale aside, how do you feel about the team overall heading into this next season? You know, I think, I think they're, 
better than what they, they were at the end of last season. I think the hard part is, I think the NFC East is still really good. So have they done enough? Everything to me comes down to Sam Howell. So I feel like there's a lot that I like about their roster. It just comes down to the quarterback. And I still want to see what else do they do on that offensive line. They need a little bit more help at linebacker. And, you know, they need another running back. Um, you could use, to me, I'd get another cornerback in there. But line, another linebacker is a definite. I think cornerback I would. And, again, a couple offensive linemen. And then and um, I'd probably go edge at some, some a defensive end somewhere in this draft. And I think that, you know, but oh, I feel pretty good. But do you feel good enough to say they could make a big leap? It just all depends on Sam Howell. And I think it's, you know, my concern is for them is you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator who I think, I think Biennemi is going to be good for their offensive culture. I think, and, and by that, I mean, just the urgency that, that he coaches with, I think will be good for this organization. And I think that'll help, but he's installing a new offense. That takes time. You have a new quarterbacks coach. I've heard good things about him. Still new. So you got to develop those relationships. And it doesn't mean that he can't. It's just, it's all new. You're going to have a new O-line coach. Although, again, I said it's pr probably going to be Travell Wharton, who has already been here. Um, so, I, you know, I, but you're, you're installing another offense with a quarterback who has thrown 19 passes. There's a leap of faith to think it's going to be humming right away. I think it's a big leap of faith. But, you know, I, can he play well? Yes, I do think he can. When? I don't know. So I actually, I think I like what they're doing I kind of wish this had looked like this in year two or year three. And you, cause then you could say, you know, but going into year four, the new owner, are they going to get the time that they're need that they'll need to make it work? Because this is really designed for a long-term situation um, versus anything else. Um, let's see. I'm going to go to Twitter now for real quick. All right. Well, this is another one. Um, Somebody wants to know, is there any rumbling of news out there as to Bezos finally putting in a proposal to buy the commanders? No, no, there isn't. It will he? I don't know, but there hasn't, there's nothing in there yet. Um, all right. Jacoby wants to know, I think it's Jacoby is a sneaky QB grab in round one at all realistic. I don't know that it's all at all realistic. I think it's, I think that's for Rivera to say that you can't listen. This franchise hasn't had a, legit he hasn't had a long-term franchise quarterback for decades man and you know you and even if you want to say since i mean kirk cousins was a solid quarterback nothing he wasn't great but he was at least you know in that midsection and that's 2017 so rivera started eight quarterbacks in his three years that's a lot so you can't cut out you cannot say mission accomplished after where we're at when the in the situation with Howell. However, I do know they like him, but if you, let's say, let's say you have a chance to get some quarterback that's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know he would be there. Well, okay. But short of that, I don't, I don't see it. No. Um, but you know, we'll see. All right. Matt, Maddie Suzuki, this is going in my wheelhouse and this is how you have to get, if you want to get some of these questions, you want to get definitely answered. Here you go. Maddie Suzuki says, what's your favorite wing rub slash sauce recipe? Well, I think it's my kid's favorite recipe is I think the garlic Parmesan wings. And it's always, I, when I do it, it's indirect heat on the grill. I have a smoker, but I think the wings become more crispy with indirect heat on my grill. So I just put a little salt, a little salt and pepper on them, grill them. And then you have the, the um, garlic Parmesan um, 
sauce ready to go for when you take them out. But before I, when I take them off the grill, it's about an hour and a half or so and take them off. I, I'm going to put them in the air fryer for about five minutes to get them even more crispy. Then I'm putting the garlic Parmesan on there. I also have a Southern rub, which had, you know, just a basic Southern rub that I like to cook them in. And those always come out well. But I think that what I like that I've done lately is finishing them in the air fryer for a few minutes and crisp them up even more. It gives them a different texture. I had my, my youngest son's friend from college was visiting him in January and I made some wings for him. And he said, those are the best wings he's ever tasted. And my son told me um, a week ago that he was still talking about those wings. So good question, Matt. I appreciate that one. And then Tim Meek wanted to know, and I got to give Tim a shout out because that dude goes all over the place. And he wanted to know, um, what did he want to know? I think it was, if I could interview anybody in particular, who would it be? Anyways, that's basically what he asked is who would, who would I want to interview? Is there one person? I don't think there's any one person that I would say I want to interview that person. And I, I wish I had thought about a little bit more. I would say what I like doing is interviewing people who are at the highest levels of the profession. I'd love to talk to like a guy like a Bruce Springsteen, a Tom Hanks, people who are at a certain level, you know, Tom Brady, you know, guys who have achieved certain things to, um, you know, just because I will say though, you know, to me, one of the things I like doing is listening to podcasts where it doesn't always have to be a famous person that you talk to who is supremely interesting. I found, I've heard interviews with George Clooney. I think he's interesting as hell because he's a good talker. But I would, you know, you could talk to somebody who's just a, an ordinary person who found themselves in an extraordinary situation. I'd love to talk to them. What was that like? So there's just, there's any one person that I would, um, that I would, uh, Want to interview? I think there's a lot, and I think there's a lot of people at a certain level. And that's one of the things I love about this job is you get a chance to talk to people who are at the highest level of their profession. How did they get there? What did they do to get to them? And what did they do that maybe others didn't do? You know, Jeremy Reeves, love talking to Jeremy Reeves because not because he's this, he's, you know, he's not a great, great player in the, in the sense of a Brady or anything like that. But man, what that guy has done to get to this point. That's why those people had tears in their eyes when he made the Pro Bowl last year, when they told him about it, because um, just because, you know, and because of what he went through. And, you know, he went through and he saved all the letters that told him he was being cut because he wanted them as motivation. He still has them. I think that's cool as hell. But I love talking to guys like that because you know what it meant for them to be in that spot. And, you know, I think like, what's that like, right? What is that like to, to go through that? Why did you keep going? He's a small guy folks, you know, but he kept going, but it was, he kept going because that little drug, he kept getting sticking around. You couldn't, you know, you, they couldn't quite put him away. That gave him a chance to say, listen, if I just keep working, keep working, you can do it. But I love talking to guys like that um, because, you know, that's, that's it. All right. And this is for my background metaphor says your helmet wall display is six by five. You're right. Good observation. The two teams are on the top. So there you go. And, and one of them is Washington and then um, the Browns. Cause that's where I'm from for no other reason than I put them up there. And I think my son did that. So, you know, there you go. Um, Joshua Yedu says, I think Wiley should be a right guard and put Sam Cosby at right tackle. Well, guess what? The coaches disagree. So there you go. He wasn't awful at right tackle. Late in the year, he was better. I know there were some issues, um, but I'm, I'm just telling you, like, you know, maybe that's how it ends up. But right now, it's not how they're going, how it's going to go. 
Um, and I think he, you know, <clears throat> keep in mind, like everybody wanted Eric Bieniemy. Well, that's Bieniemy's guy. Like he gave him the ringing endorsement to come here. And so I think that's why they're going to um, put him there for at least to start. And I don't think like the one thing Cosme made clear is he did not want to switch around. So if you put him in a position, you're going to keep him there. And that's what, that's what they're going to do. Like they don't want to say, okay, we're going to start you here. And now in mid-August, like, you know what, we got to put you back over here. I think if I'm Cosme, like, no, dude, I'm here. But I think, you know, that's just something to, um, you know, that's, that's how I feel. But yeah, no. So sorry. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> You're going to lose that one. Corey Coleman says, I don't hear much about Cole Turner. What does the coaching staff think of his potential? I hear mostly about Thomas and Rogers. Keep in mind like they love the hell out of Cole Turner in the spring and early summer before he got hurt. That injury affected his performance. Even when he came back, he was not the same and they knew it. So don't, don't mistake anything for them somehow moving on from him. They like him a lot. They were, I mean, I'm telling like th those people were giddy about him in the spring and early summer because he, what he was showing. So I don't think anything is, has changed with him at all. And I don't know, you know, if you hear mostly about Thomas, usually it's going to be about what's he going to do with his contract? Is it going to be restructured? Um, you know, with Rogers, it was, I, I like Rogers a lot, but I think he's going to be a different kind of tight end than Turner. I mean, they both can play in space, but Rogers is just more athletic. I think he's a different kind of weapon. And I think the other thing is one thing I keep hearing, you bring up a tight end to somebody over there. And it's like, got to use him more. Got to, didn't use him enough. Didn't use him enough. Didn't involve him enough. Just keep that in mind when you're watching. Here's the other guy to watch Curtis Hodges. They like him too. That's why I keep telling people like, Titan is not the same level of priority for them as it is for everybody that asks me questions about him. Cause I think they like those young tight ends and feel like one of those guys can emerge. Doesn't mean they wouldn't take somebody, but I am just telling you that they really do like them. But Thomas is the key because he's their two way guy. So if you lose him, if you're going to cut him in favor of draft pick, it better be somebody who has some of that similar two way ability and um, so, but there you go. But yeah, no, they, they, I don't think they've soured on Cole Turner at all. Um, and um, yeah, so don't, don't worry about that, but you know, there you go. Let's see if we get some more questions on here. Joshua again. Oh man. Sorry, Josh, you got lucky here. Which players are the commanders front office on the most interest draft wise? I'm going to say more position because it's more offensive line. And, you know, I think with the visits, those top 30 visits, I'll be honest, man, I've been so focused on so many other stories that like top 30 visits and all that it's low on the list because I've learned like you're talking about 30 visits and, you know, of those 30, how many are actually going to end up here? Because they would have talked to a lot of people at the combine, the senior bowl, um, pro days. So those top 30, like while it's important, it's not going to tell you everything um, that you need to know. Jason Jones, I believe Curtis Samuels is a rare talent that opens up the offense. It was really good this past year. How good can he be in this year? I think, I think he can be pretty good. I mean, you know, the only, here's the thing, like everyone wants to get more talent around him. And I would agree. You always want more talent, but they're not going to want to throw the ball 40 times a game. And I think the beauty of Samuel is you can use him in both the run game and the pass game. So I think, I think you could, and I know that he was, I would say, say, he was a little disappointed how he was used down the stretch. But I think some of that, too, came because Jahan Dotson was back. That kid's going to be really good. Somebody asked me if I think both he and, and McLaurin could get over 1,000 yards. 
I mean, I think they both have, I certainly think that Dotson has that potential. Yes. Would they do it? Well, I don't know, because then again, how much are you throwing the ball? And you, the beauty of what this offense should be is that you're going to have more targets available than just those two. So I don't know, you know, if, if he, if they both don't get to a thousand, I would put my money on Terry. I think one of them will, but if Dotson doesn't, I think you have to look at, well, why not? Well, it's probably because other guys are pretty good too. You know, Samuel is very good. I think you could see, you know, how is Brian Robinson grow in the past game? Does that make him a little bit better? What about Gibson's role there? And then again, the tight ends. And this is why I go back to with the drafting of a tight end at 16, I don't see them as being that kind of guy with the talent you have right now, where you'd say in using a 16th pick on that guy would be what you'd want to do. Um, so, you know, I think, but I do think Curtis can be very good and, you know, I'll, I'll be curious to see how they use him because you're going to, again, you have to involve Jahan Dotson. That kid is really good. I mean, I, I don't say, I don't gush like this about just any old rookie, but what I saw from him, his key will be staying healthy. But man, that kid's got the ability to make some guys miss in space. And I think in this offense, you can he might get more chances to run after the catch. But but yeah, I think Samuel will be I think he's a good weapon for them. Robert Parrish wants to know, and I'm not going to make a Celtics comment. Well, I guess I just did. Do you feel, and I'm sure Robert's heard that a lot. Sorry, Robert. Do you feel that this is a prove-it year for Chase Young or is a fifth-year option more probable? It is a prove-it year for Chase Young. Yes. And you know, I know they're going to say it's about the health. And I do think that's part of it. They want to make sure the knee where the knee is at, but let's be real folks. Like they want to see a commitment from him too. I think they want to see him here working in the off season. And I think they, cause they want him around their people as well. So I think they want to see is the commitment there to the, to the team. And, you know, then you have to go out and do it. So yeah. Now is the fifth year option, certainly a, a possibility. Yeah, I, it, of course it is, but I do think it's a prove it year for, for Chase Young. Carnes Helton says, what's up? Do you think they like Nolan Smith and all these visits as a smokescreen? Thanks. I, what, I, what I would say, and again, the same thing what I was saying earlier, I, I think it's more what they would want. I do know that pass rusher is something else they'd like to add. And he that's, you know, that's his game. But, you know, I think it depends on what role you would see. It's not just defensive end, it's pass rusher. So, you know, I think they that's something that they would target. So, you know, we'll see with that. Um, let's get a couple more on Twitter. I got a couple more minutes here. Because I'm going long, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up doing a podcast that Ben Standig would would be proud of because it'll be a longer one. Shout out Ben. Um, let's see what else we got here on Twitter. Oh, and more Nolan Smith. Um, everyone talks about moving back, but any chance this regime looks into trading up for one of the bigger corners or O line? I don't see them trade. I think they would definitely like to bet, add trade back. And I think the reason is like this draft, the value to me is like a little bit later in the first round in the second round. It's not a deep, deep draft as far as like when you get to the later rounds, I don't think you're going to get the kind of talent you did, you know, even last year or the year before. So I would try to add picks by trading back and getting more in the top couple rounds to increase your value of what you get. That's why, you know, now having said that, so the flip side would be how far up do you have to move? If there is someone that you really like, you'll have to go up a couple spots you could take some of those late round picks, move up for that guy, because again, I don't think you're going to get the same value out of those picks as you would. But I think the ideal thing is still um, moving, moving back. But, you know, I haven't really talked a lot moving up. And again, I think it would just depend how high, but I don't see them investing a lot of capital in, in, um, in, in moving, in moving up. 
And someone keeps telling me that Bezos trying to buy AMC theaters. Well, congratulations to him. I hope he enjoys the movies. So sorry, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't mean. Um, yeah. And I know Devin Rhodes said, you know, when he asked the question about ESPN, Devin, I know you weren't talking about me. People view me as local. I get what you're saying. I'm just, I'm just pulling your chain a little bit. Um, and again, we're going to go back to Chase. What um, is it? And, and Juicy? I don't know. What are your thoughts about on their handling of the fifth-year option for Chase Young? It looks super center, counterproductive to show very little confidence in him if you want to possibly trade him for some value. Well, they're not trading him. Nobody's going to trade for him. He's coming off, he's coming off, you know, he's played three games in the last year um and he has any you know in in those previous nine games before he got hurt he wasn't overly productive as a pass rusher you're not going to get value for him your value is going to be here so is it no i don't think it's kind of productive i think i'd want to send a message to young to say this is how we want you to approach it here and i think you know make sure that he's doing his things here that's what they want to see and you know if he goes out and you can get a big deal and if you don't then you won't so it's 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 that it's that simple Okay, let's see. A couple more here. Got two more. Let's go. A couple more questions. I'm going longer, man. But I wanted to get through as much as I could. And that's why. Um, we talked about a lot of these. Should we, uh, Joey wants to know, should we be worried about how little cap space Washington has? And that's a good question. So, and again, it goes back to Lamar. Please know that when the Lamar, it was not about who is better. It's about you can't do it financially. I and mean, there's a myth about the salary cap that you can do whatever you want. You can't, folks. You can't. The Rams are paying for it now. Even the last couple of years, they had to get rid of guys they liked because they couldn't afford them. They'd bring on other guys, give them a very tiny deal the first year. Like Allen Robinson had like, I think his number one up would have gone high this year. But last year was like two or three million. Of course you can bring them on if you do that. You're not bringing Lamar Jackson on for two or three million. Anyway, that's not that wasn't the question, but it's about should you be concerned? I think you're, you're going to still have to free up. I do think there's still ways. Chase Ruye, and I think I told you, would save – 4.3 if he retires or if they cut him. <clears throat> I'd also, you know, it could very well be that he takes a pay cut and it's and it's a little bit more um, of a savings there. You know, if you did something there, you can, I think if they risk, there are only so many contracts you can restructure and there's always, well, I'll just restructure them. Like for example, John Allen, they, the feeling would be if they went to John Allen and said, hey, let's restructure your deal or push some, you push some money out that they know his agents say, wait a minute, you just paid Deron Payne X amount. If you're going to start extending, if you're going to push my guy's money and chain, do this, like we want a little something, something for that. Let's get us closer to him. So the fear would be, would he then go for, want some more money, right? So that's one. Um, so I don't know that you're going to do anything there. Logan Thomas, you could do something with, but I think they want to see where is he at with his entire game. That means receipt, not just catching the ball and running, but with his blocking, because I've told you before, that to me was the, was the was something that he was still getting used to doing, and I don't blame him. He got hurt as a blocker. He got hurt because he got cut at the knees. That would that would concern me too, and it would take a little bit of time to work through. And I do think like I think Logan got back sooner than people anticipated. I think it's because he he I think he pushed that hard too. I don't think he. I'm not sure, and I can't answer for him. Because he came, like, he remember, here it is. He got some soft tissue injuries when he came back. And I'm pretty sure it's rela it was related to that knee. And I think it's because he pushed so hard to get back that early that um, I think that was there was an, a trickle-down effect with his body. So I'll be curious to see what he can do this year. They felt he was better at the end of the year. But he's a guy that if you get through August, like, and he looks like, you know, you're into August, he looks like you want to see him. 
I think then you can restructure because now you're pushing money into the future. And they're not going to do that for a lot of guys because at some point you always have to pay and, and create that space. So, but he's one you could do that with and you could probably save several million. So they're, because they want to go into the year, you need to sign your rookies, probably about three and a half million or so, but you want to also have some buffer to sign some guys if guys get hurt during the season and, and something happens. So that's a guy that you could look at to do, but I'm glad you asked that question. Um, and let's take, Again, Josh, um, EB is assistant head coach and O coach. He has plenty of say. Not necessarily. The guy who has say, he can give his input, but he's not. Trust me, it's it's Rivera and it's the um, Mart, Marty Herney, Mart Mayhew. Um, EB can say something, but to say he has say as far as the draft goes, I don't think so. Now, it could be that they go in the draft and he's like, you know, like if they say, who do you like? Because we're doing it okay, but he's not going to go in and say, you got to take this guy. That's somebody who has say, and that's that's not what he has. But I do think he has an opinion, and I think they would ask him because he is the offensive coordinator. And so there you go. And Anthony wants to know, who are they looking at, O-line coach? And Anthony, I said earlier, it is um, Travell Wharton. It's, that's who I'm like pretty sure it's going to be. So it's just not official yet. And – you know, a lot of people want to know um, about the best case scenario for the draft. I think the best case scenario is you get to 16. There's a few guys that they like and they trade back, get a couple more picks second round, add more talent in those rounds because you can have so many. You're going to have the way you the way this league operates is. And the one thing Rivera was talking about, it's not just with the quarterback position, but the contracts are getting so prohibitive that you need choices at expensive areas. That's why I bring up edge, because you can't you're not going to be able to afford these both these guys. I just don't see it. So the way you can do that is have somebody in your system ready to go. You want to draft and develop and keep your own, but if you repl- if you lose your own and replace them with one of your own, that's okay because that's what it's that's what the draft is designed to do too. It's to replace the guys that you're unable to keep. So I think you know that is why I would add some more picks and get some more guys on smaller contracts so that way you can afford things. Then you start to build ahead and like, what if Sam Howell hits? And then in a couple of years, you got maybe you now you have some younger guys who aren't quite at that expensive level and you can do some things that way. Michael Stahl wants to know how short is Ron Rivera's leash? Does he coach the full season season if the team starts poorly? I would have a hard time seeing that, but I think what's the definition and why? Like, why do they start poorly? And what does that mean? Is it two and five, one and five? I think that'd be awfully difficult and to, to continue there with a new owner. If it's three and four, I don't think that is that poorly. Is that I mean, why did they get there? You know, and then I think you have to look at all the, you have to look at a bunch of scenarios. You can't start. I think they need a better start than what they've had the first couple of years, to be honest. But without knowing who the owner is, I think it's really hard to say that for sure. Here's another, I said one more, but I'm going. Everett Ricks wants to know, hey, John, will Washington grab a running back in free agency? I think the guy to watch is Jarek McKinnon, still out there. And he's a guy that um, Biennemi likes. He's, he's evolved into a good third down back in Kansas City. To me, it's kind of one of those situations where depending on what you do in the draft, that's when you go back to guys like that. And I think because there's also going to be guys cut after the draft, these guys will end up cutting people after the draft. Like Andrew Norwell is another guy that you could move and and save a a little bit of money with as well. And I think that is something that probably will happen based on what Rivera said at the owners meetings. So, but I bring that up because, you know, I think teams wait to see what did you do in the draft? What do you still need? So a couple of days after the draft, you could see a guy like McKinnon here if they don't get another running back in the draft. 
And I think that's a, that's a good one um, to look at as well. Um, let's see. All right. I'm going to keep going for a minute. <laughs> All right. This is keeps coming up. Dante Payne. Do you think we'll change the name to the Red Wolves? No. <laughs> How do you like that? Here's the problem with the name change. And I brought this up before because it's not realistic. Like the league doesn't want to go through another name change in Washington. And just because fans like it, I know there are issues with trademarks and the expense of it is just different. And, you know, at this point, like to change the name to anything else, the millions of dollars it would cause, it's not just, oh, they can market it and the fans would love it. Well, not every fan that I heard from loved the Red Wolves. So what happens? Like what percentage do you have to get with the fan base liking a name before you say enough's enough? Do you have to keep changing every couple of years until you like, oh, I love that one. I will say I'm not a big, you know, the commanders, it's not sticking. I, we all know that it hasn't, it hasn't worked yet. I think I'll be curious to see what happens if they start winning. Does it get more popular? I don't know. I think it's a tough name for fans. I get that, but I don't see a new owner coming in saying right away, you're going to do that. I think it, there's so many hurdles to do. And I asked somebody here about that and they just said, no, and somebody who was involved in the process, like it's just, it's so expensive to do it. And then I, I just, I have a hard time believing the NFL would say, yeah, Hey, you went from football team to commanders to Red Wolves. Like, yeah, no, sure, no problem. Because what's going to happen if, again, what if people still complain? Let's say they can't do Red Wolves for the same reason they didn't do it this time, which it, it could very well be because of trademark stuff. And I know one of the fears was, could you then brand it on your, could you brand it your own? And I think, could you make it your own? I think that's what they're looking for. Now, you know, would a new owner feel the same way? But just because, just keep in mind, like if let's say Bezos comes in, just because he has billions of dollars doesn't mean he just says, I'm just going to throw it away and, you know, spend 20 some million just to change it again. I don't know, you know, and again, winning is the best cure here, more so than the name. And if they ever won, I think people would just say, okay, I don't like the name, but at least they're winning. But no, Dante, I don't think they're going to do that. So, but again, I don't know who the owner is, so we'll see. Um, and, and for John, you saying John Harrell in here saying they couldn't get the trademarks. I think they could have, it's just that it would have been really, really expensive and there would have been a fight for it. It's just, you know, what was explained to me by some trademark attorneys and patent attorneys and all that, that it would have been a little bit harder. And then again, for these guys, I know they would have to just the designs. If you want to design, you say, Oh, I, we can't use this design because it looks too close to like the Timberwolves, for example, or it looks too close to this team that it makes it a little bit more complicated. But again, what if not everybody loved that name? So what if they didn't want that and, and other fans don't? Like, again, at what point do you say, you know, you just have to accept the name? The Wizards name sucks too. I don't know. This is not a good town for names right now. So like the Nats name, Capitals is good too. Joshua, you're right. Joshua says he's sick of hearing about Lamar. Yeah, I get you. Um, anyway, let's get, all right. Now it is one hour and I think, Folks, I'm answered out. The mailman has done a few routes today. Um, I appreciate everybody. I hope you feel like I got to enough of the answers to let you know what's going on. And, um, you know, we'll do this again. Trust me, we'll do this again probably before the draft. And, you know, some of that will depend on when does a new owner get announced. And, you know, but I would like to do another one of these before the draft just to kind of give you guys some more opinions about what I have learned. Cause I'm just now going to start getting into that draft process. I'm telling you folks, it's just been too busy for me to look too hard at the draft when all this other stuff is going on. This is now the time where I think I can start getting into that until a new guy is named, then we'll have other stuff to do. But so I think in a few weeks, look for another one of these live streams and I appreciate you tuning in. 
always appreciate you listening. I will be back with another episode, a taped episode for Sunday night slash Monday. I'll be talking to Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times Dispatch. Going to go over a lot of topics and just kind of where he thinks things are at in this whole process, where they're at in the offseason, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next time.